Hi, and welcome to another episode of Wine and Wisdom. I'm Thomas Lehuang, and you're listening to the TL Podcast, where knowledge is shared and no one takes themselves too seriously. We are live. I'm going to put a on it's not that cold, surely, guys. Surely. Listen, you're still on pain meds, Lou. You can't feel it. No, I haven't had pain oh, meds. Oh, come on. Weeks. Two weeks. Yeah, it's cold today, yeah? Whoa. It's crazy. It's crazy. <laughs> All right, I get to put my heater on that my best mate charged me $1,000 to install, so that's good. That's, that's your best mate. <laughs> Yeah, mate. Yeah, at least give him a plug, Cam. While you're alive, Uh, I've learned to avoid Cam's friends. (laughs) Rip off merchants, dead to me. Dead to you. (laughs) How are you doing, everyone? Beautiful people, very, very good. All right, Uh, today's a special day, especially with our wine, because we are back into our competition first day. So uh, let's start with uh, you, Cam. I sent you a message, Luang. Did you going to answer it before I carry I, I did not see your message. doesn't matter. I'm not going to answer it. Why? I'm a spy. <laughs> Why, Cam? Oh, well, my wine. Well, hang on. We're, we're doing a competition. Now, skinny over there in the bottom left to me is going the early crow, but I got some information this morning that Twiddledee and Twiddledum didn't put their wines in. So that would be an automatic disqualification. Yes? No. And now TL has responded to me message. Chris, you got thrown under the bus this morning. I just want to tell you. Lou, did you put your wine in? No, I didn't. I'll own it. I didn't. Competition's over. We lose. Yeah, but Chris Chris and and Lou were late. Uh, Wine should have been in on Wednesday, by Wednesday afternoon. So so Chris is gone. Chris is gone with his wine as well. When you were carrying on off air about it, I thought, geez, he's confident for a bloke who hasn't even put it in because the information <laughs> I got. Well, they, they forget. They forget the rules, and the rules are very simple. You know, we can't have poor Charlotte working and running around trying to do the whole lot in same day on the same day. Oh, we're running around, please. The text phone oh, message is on a computer. Oh, <laughs> oh, oh Chris is bought You know the funny thing? I bought that bottle of wine two weeks ago. Oh, <laughs> no. So Chris bought a, a 4.26 and it's not going to count for shit. Unlucky, brother. So I'm very glad I didn't put my we- what are you drinking, Cam? What are you drinking? Ours, I'm ours very are... glad I didn't put much effort in because I ran out of time. Mine's a... Uh... Oh, we have Katrina. How are you doing? Hello. We're going to need some Katrina. group. <laughs> Chris, Chris is going to need a bit of help. I'm already Chris is going to need... Mate. You beat me in the wine. I forgot to put my Not bloody in wine a second. in. So it's a Petaluma Chardonnay uh, from a Piccadilly Valley. Um, really, uh, I think it was only a 4.1 on Vivino, so uh, should be nice, but yeah, not one of my best. So, great drop, but better than Chris's and Lou's. All right, it won't be better, but you'll still build me because I'm disqualified. What about you, Lou? Which one did you have? I'm not even going to show mine if I can get (laughs) 
I um not only ask wine doesn't count. You can't have wine in a box. Not only did I forget, I had to fall back on whatever was in my cabinet, which was probably a gift from a client. So I'm not. I'm just going to show it, and then I'm going to put it to the side. (laughs) (laughs) It's a. It's a. it's called fistful. I don't even know where it's from, but it, <laughs> it's on. At, at least from your clients, you should have spent a bit okay. of time. It's it's called fistful. It's a 2019 Shiraz. Okay. I don't even know where it's from, but it's an Australian wine. I know that much, so that's it. But it doesn't count anyway. What about you, Chris? The I feel like putting the cork back in this wine <laughs> and going to get another one. Because this bottle of wine's a bloody good bottle of wine. I told I'm you were carrying on. I wish we had record. I used so. Because I actually forgot that rule, right? So I've got a 2021 Struy from the Barossa. Oh, actually, we, we've had it before, but we had the 2019. I checked and we've had the 2018. So yeah. I'm shattered. Um, uh, it scores 4.3 on Vivino. Oh, gosh, Chris. Yeah. You look like you're already glass, by the way. You've already had a how much was it, Chris? Fifty dollars, uh, forty-nine dollars or something. Oh well, that's a bargain then. That and I got a Celeste Crianza, Spanish wine. The grape is Tempranillo, and it's probably the uh, Spain. We do forget that it's actually the second largest consumer of wine. Wow. And Tempranillo is uh, uh, make up makes up about eighty five percent of uh, its wine from Spain itself. Mm. So it should be very bold. Something you have with meat. Um, something to probably down your sorrow if you're really depressed and sad. <laughs> so maybe something that we'll uh, we'll need it, uh, today. All right. What did it write? What did it write? What did it write? Uh, Cam and I actually do equal 4.1. Oh, oh my God. God. That makes it worse. <laughs> oh, Chris. So, so even, though, even though we would have lost to Chris today, Cam and I have won the battle, and both Chris and Lou have lost. All right? We, we, <laughs> hi, Katrina. I know. Listen, it, that. this is Katrina King team. Just say hello to hi, Katrina. Katrina. Hi, Katrina. Hi, Katrina. Uh, I'm sorry, Katrina. It's uh, not an introduction that you deserve. However, however it's uh, something that is a bit of a, a ceremony that we have as a custom as we start the uh, uh, the podcast. Uh, team, you, just to introduce you a little bit to Katrina. Uh, Katrina actually uh, uh, lives in New Zealand. Wow. And Katrina works as a manager at the Grief Center in um, organization. And I think she joined the organization in 2003. You're on mute. You're on mute. Turn your microphone on. We'll mute Chris and you turn yours on. Everyone's happy. No. While she's working that out, geez, I'm having a drink of wine. All right, all right, all right. (laughs) Go on your side. Down the bottom, Katrina, there's a little microphone. If you the red, un- the red microphone, just click on it. Cheers. Cheers, Cheers. guys. Cheers. Are you on a laptop or are you on 
Yep, you're on a laptop. So if your screen's disappeared, just scroll your mouse to the bottom so your bottom bar toggles up and then you'll be able to see the microphone. And now unclick it. Okay. Click on the arrow next to it and you'll be able to test the volume of it or turn your speakers up one of the two. Yeah, maybe your speakers are down as well. Yeah. While we're waiting for you, so let's um, let's have a look. Uh, what, what, is, what is the topic of the week, Louisa? Louisa? So, the topic this week, um, what we are doing is we are going to discuss grief and mourning, which I think yeah. is a big topic. Um, Chris seems very impressed by it. <laughs> oh, how good the wine is. How good the wine is, Chris. Are you on mute now? Are you say something, Chris? Can you hear me? Oh yeah. I thought you were on mute, but you obviously oh. you're obviously speechless at how nice your wine was. So <laughs> oh, I just can't believe I can you hear me now? Yes. Sorry about that. That's all right. Technology, technology. It always happens when you're live too. Like <laughs> always, oh. always. Anyway, welcome to Wine and Wisdom. Thank you. Thank you. Kia ora. Oh, it's great to be Katrina, here. Now that you're here, why don't you just introduce yourself? Sure, I can. Uh, so I am the general manager of Grief Centre. Uh, we're an Australasian charitable trust that supports all people living through loss. Uh, we started around 2009 here in New Zealand, and we've been working with uh, funeral homes in Australia since about 2019. Um, I have been with the organisation since the beginning of this year. I'm, yeah. I'm not a counsellor, um, but obviously work alongside a, a brilliant team uh, and have learnt an awful lot from them on, on loss and, and grief. And I think our organisation, um, one thing we're really passionate about is improving people's what we term grief literacy. So people feeling comfortable about how to support people in grief, people knowing what's what's okay in grief and then as a society we can um can support each other to get through what really everybody encounters literally every single person will encounter loss and grief in their life so the more we can do to give people tools and skills and and the ability to work through it the better so yeah that that's us and that's me amazing right. and so um Poor Katrina has agreed to come up and try and discuss with us. She doesn't realize that we, we're not a very uh, um, serious bunch. However, we, we also would like to talk about this topic because it, it's, it's a topic that everybody, uh, everybody will go through at some stage in life. And it's almost a taboo subject sometimes. You know, we don't talk about it until we're there. And, and quite often when we're there, we're in the dark. We're going... Hold on, how am I feeling? Is, is this normal? Is this not normal? Why yeah. is it that why is it the people who whom I love want to offer help and all I want to do is to go and hide in a hole and 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 stay there? So is it because I'm illiterate in, when it comes to that field? Or so can, can you just tell us a little bit at the grief center? So so what do you guys really do specifically when it comes to helping people with grief and mourning? So someone calls, someone does help. Right. 
Yeah, so specifically with, as an organisation, um, we firstly offer grief counselling. So we have a team of qualified counsellors who if, some, if somebody calls directly into the organisation, we can offer them, them counselling. Uh, we work with funeral homes uh, directly to provide after-funeral grief care. So that's where we have uh, grief companions. We'll send some resources and then grief companions will call people and just check in on their well-being, see how they're going. You know, and a lot of people are like, I I'm good, you know, thanks for the call. But you'll get uh, about 20% of people say, actually, I, I do want to talk. It's about six weeks after the funeral and, and I don't want to burden people with my grief. I don't want to, you know, everyone thinks. I should have moved on and I and I don't feel like I have so that's where our grief companions can step in and be that that safe space and that listening ear for people uh, mm. we also have resources that we provide to people uh, here in New Zealand we do groups uh, which people often find to be quite therapeutic to be in a space with others with, with lived experience of grief um, even if the grief is different uh, it's, it's just a great environment to be in uh, and then we also have a training and professional development arm. So that is working and training people who support those living through loss. So clinicians, nurses, aged care workers, social workers, teachers, uh, you, you name it. It's that professional side of things. So we're quite a large organisation, um, you know, across all of that. Mm, amazing. Sounds like a great organisation. Thank you. Yeah, we're pretty proud of, proud of what we do. Mm, you should be, yeah. So, so if I just ask you, so if someone says, so yeah, I'd like to talk about uh, to someone, do they go to a program and talk about it? Or is it just a conversation that you have with them for whatever time they need there and then, and then that's it? Yeah, the, the Grief Companions is really a, a conversation. And if the Grief Companion feels that the person is, is working with more complex or complicated grief, then they might go on to a more form, formal counselling, which is where you are really thrashing through your issues. And I mean, we all know grief and loss can trigger many things from life. It's, it's often a compounded thing. So that's available to people as well. Um, mm. Yeah, it just depends on what support people need because, you know, to your point, what you were saying, everyone is, is different in their grief journey. You know, it is, it is as individual as your thumbprint and, and how you think you might react is, is not necessarily how you will react or, or feel. No. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you just said something very important. Even how you think that you yourself will react, you do yep. you do things that you go, hold on, I, I, I can't believe what I've just done. You know? and yes, yes, absolutely. And there's sometimes I think an expectation that I, I should be at this stage, you know, I well, it's it's been two, three months after the death and I'm I still feel this, but I shouldn't I feel better, you know, sh shouldn't yeah. I have moved forward? Uh, and the reality is no. I mean, because who says you should? It's your exactly. journey. It's your grief. It's your death. No one else had that relationship with that person or, or, or thing or whatever it is that you've lost. So mm. I think one of the biggest things is, yeah, not to judge yourself and, and to say it's okay how I'm feeling. It's okay. Probably not to judge yourself or others because yes. something that I've experienced in my family with our most recent loss being my nan, some people were unable to get out of bed. Some people could function quite normally. Some people went to anger. Some mm -hmm. people went to um, uh, disbelief, you know, and so everybody was doing it differently and trying to understand it and process it differently. And then yeah. I think that's when you see families sort of turn on each other a little bit because it's like, why aren't you? How can you function? And I can't get out of bed. How, yes. And why, why are you so angry? You know, like... Mm -hmm this is a time when we should be, there should be solidarity, but you know what I mean? So yep, I think. Absolutely. Exactly. Yeah. 
Is there, I mean, in what Luis just said, is there a step or is there an order of things? I mean, do you have to go through make, being numb first before you go through anger or whatever? No, well, it's funny. Um, so you're, you're sort of referring to Elizabeth Kubler-Ross. She had her five stages of grief, um, which were uh, ang denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and then acceptance. And that was back in the 60s. Um, she actually did that research when she was working with terminally ill people. It actually wasn't working with the bereaved. So it was a, a very one of the first models of bereavement. But new thinking is sort of saying, well, whilst those stages sort of exist, you know, grief isn't a process, grief isn't linear. So uh, five stages isn't really considered to be a, a valid model now. And it's more accepted that, um, yeah, people's journey is very unique and, and they might flip back and forth through those stages, but it's not a process, it's not linear. So, and it's quite normal. So what you're kind of saying is that people are gonna be at different stages at different times, which, you know, depending on who they are and how they're dealing with that grief. Yeah, so, so we don't like to talk about grief as a process. We, we talk about it as a journey. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Uh, what I'm trying to do, is, is there a possibility that people build up, um, for want of a better word, a tolerance to grief? So for okay. example, if they've lost a loved one and within a couple of years after they lose another loved one, um, or are they just better equipped, equipped emotionally to handle that second loss? Um, well, that's, I guess, kind of cumulative grief. And I, and I guess for some people that actually makes it worse because you've got loss on top of loss. Um, mm. Brothers, yeah, absolutely. If, I guess if, if their journey through their grief has been relatively healthy, it's not, it's not too complex. There's not too, too many triggers or, or complexities within it. Then, yeah, absolutely. I guess you do understand more what death means, what losing somebody means. And that, yeah, can equip you to, to better handle um, future losses. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. In, in your experience, obviously, sometimes um, death is something that you know is coming if somebody is terminally ill, but a lot yep. of the time it's so sudden and unexpected. And do you find that in those circumstances, the grief is different or, or, or do you find that people still grieve somewhat the same way if depending on? Oh, know, look, again, it. it it, it, you know, it, it is different, but it's the same because it just depends on the person. And people often do think, oh, look, when it was somebody you knew they were 90 and they were, you know, dying for a while, then it's not, you know, it's not going to be a major thing. But for somebody, perhaps that person was their whole world. Uh, mm -hmm. They had a really special connection. There was was other things, you know, in terms of their relationship, then it is, is still a major. So, um, mm -hmm. yeah, absolutely. Traumatic death and really sudden death is, of course, going to be hard, but it doesn't yeah. mean that you're your other deaths and of, of older relatives and things are, are going to be just as hard yeah yeah mm. then you're pretty silent about this is it because uh, you're immune to this man uh not immune i'm sitting here with a little bit of imposter syndrome because i haven't well obviously we know what you've been through recently tl and chris last year and, and lou your nan and i blessed in that I haven't had anyone uh, from my immediate family pass, oh, not for 20 years, right? So, but um, I, I sort of come to this from the outside looking in where, you know, four weeks ago I had a week where <clears throat> there was seven people around me who had lost immediate loved ones, all in the same whatnot. And um, I've actually got a funeral tomorrow for another mate whose dad died two days ago out of the blue. Mm. And 
I struggled um, because you can't, everyone handled it so differently and you can't judge and you can't even give advice and it is a taboo subject and normally I'm the worst mate in the world when it comes to stuff like that because I just, I hide from it myself. But um, yeah, the, the last month has been tough but it's also been an interesting study because everyone, a couple of people from similar generations couple of the guys who were really battling with, you know, two of my uh, closest confidants, and that was a struggle where I'm usually going to them for advice and to see them battling so hard. And at that, yeah. sort of one one step out of the immediate circle, it took quite a, an energy, it took quite an emotional toll even on that, but you can't, can't complain, you can't, what do you do? These guys have just lost a father, a mother, a brother or sister and here's you daring to feel a little bit stuffed yourself you know so it's it's been um I, I sort of come into it with that and I don't I sit here silent because I don't purport to know what it feels like and I don't uh, I wouldn't dare comment on how as we've already touched on should or, or would feel and yeah, you say that, but but I mean the reality is what you've been doing is supporting someone through grief, mm -hmm. uh, and and even if it's felt like you're on the outside, I mean that's that's a really important role. Um, and it's interesting you say that um, you almost wanted to just bury your head and 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 not pretend it sort of wasn't ex wasn't happening or you weren't needed to be supportive. And that's a, such a common reaction. People normally that would be true. Like in the past, that's what I've done. I've been a horrible mate through some from people I have through some really bad experiences for people because you know fear of, of what are you going to say to these people but this time yeah. I'm like no I'm not going to do that this time so Good. I have but it's mate it's it it uh it well just the emotional toll like and it was one after the other after the other and and but you can't you've you're supposed to be their energy right that's what we're yeah. here for and, and uh, I found it well, very you yeah, right. yeah, I guess you're kind of supposed to be just there for them, giving them space, uh, letting them know that you are there for them. Uh, you know, um, that empathy versus sympathy thing, you it's one thing to say, oh, that's terrible, I'm so sorry, but it's another to really say, look, I'm, I am, I'm so sorry and I really don't know what to say or I don't know what to do, but I'm here for you and mm -hmm. if you need me, I, I, I'm here and, and giving someone that space and walking alongside them. So, I mean, that's, yeah, that's that's what you're, you, you, you're there to do as a as a support person mm. so, and good on you for not avoiding it because it's such a common thing and, and the grieving often talk about it you know uh, people taking a different aisle in the supermarket because there's a real fear that if we talk to somebody and see them and say you know how are you feeling you know we don't want to mention the person who's died because we don't want to upset them but actually it's okay to talk about yeah. the person who's died yeah they, they still existed they were still a person um that they're, they're still part of a part of that person's life it's just that yeah. you know they're not physically there anymore so I think sometimes asking for permission to say look is it okay if we still talk about dad or or mum or whatever and if they do then it, you know sharing those memories and, and talking about that person is is, is often quite healthy in, in the grief process or grief journey yeah. I should say not process. Something yeah. I have found though uh, like of, of, in reflection I've taken as an interesting social study and I've, some of the people who so the group that I'm talking about, they're all different generations. And the guy, and the, the people who took it the hardest surprised me because they were the older older generation. I've had, mm -hmm. I had a mate who's 34, lose his dad like that. And I've had 
guy who's 40 and a couple of guys in their 60s or close to their 60s. And it was really the, the older generation who seemed to take it very differently to the others. And when you're trying to, there is no playbook for it, right? So yeah. you're like, you think if you've helped one mate through something, you could help them all, but you really got no idea. So sometimes sitting there and doing nothing is because <laughs> you don't know where to turn next. Do you find that, I mean, with the grief centre, I assume you're dealing mostly with people who are dealing with it immediately, but is there... Uh, at the next circle out who, who sometimes you'll get a call from and say, look, I don't know how to help you or I don't know what to do? Or... Um, yeah, a little bit. I mean, they may call probably more on our resources than necessarily come for, you know, to, to us for more professional advice. Um, but it's a really good point you make, you know, um, and that's, I guess, comes down to that grief literacy. Uh, the more we can do to, to help to uh, teach people how to support the grieving, that you know, the easier... You're, what you're doing is going to be. Hmm. Well, yeah. One other thing, one other thing though, is that sometimes it is important for people who do the support to understand that if they are there and they are available, it's more important than they have to feel like they have to do something. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Walking alongside is, is really, you know, what you're there to do. Um, yeah. Although that said too, um, we've got, uh, there's a fabulous woman here in New Zealand, Dr. Lucy Hone. She's written a great book called Resilient Grieving. Um, highly recommend it. Um, and uh, she uh, tragically lost her daughter in a car crash when she was 12 um, back in uh, 2014, I think it was. Um, and she talks about after the death of her daughter, what people would message and, you know, obviously sound so sorry, but, you know, let me know if I can do anything. And the reality is she said, I didn't have the energy to let people know what, what I needed. I needed people to just turn up with, with meals, to come and put out the rubbish bins on a Tuesday night, to, to think, you know, um, what, 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 do I, what do they need right now? And just to step in and do it. So that's, yeah. that's part of support as well as just thinking, what does that person need? And, and I'm just gonna do that for them. Yeah. Absolutely. What, what is her surname? Lucy? Lucy Hone, H-O-N-E. Uh, yeah, uh, she's done some great work in resilient grieving, which is really about um, giving people hope and belief that they can move forward and that life will, will get better and, and that they can take charge of that. Um, when She said when her daughter died, uh, there was a lot of, oh, your life is your next five years, you've got to write it off, you'll be lucky if your marriage survives. It's, it was all quite doom and bloom, and she was a resilient researcher and so she looked at that and thought well actually you know I've still got two other teenage sons I've got a husband I've got a life and and I kind of want to fight for that and so hence she turned to this um looking at the resilience that we can be in in grief uh, yeah. yeah so some yeah she's got a great TED talk if you yeah. wanted to look that up as well but um yeah yeah it's sort of a new thinking around grief that we we can take charge a little bit ourselves and and um and yeah, to help us move forward. I think you do, you, you quite often see like when something tragic happens that it's the thing that gets people going and goes like, and they obviously have that, okay, well, I'm not going to take my life for granted anymore because this has happened and it's so sudden or it's so soul, so soul destroying. And, but then there's the other people that can't move on from it. Like there's yeah. people that are stuck in grief for, for years and years and years and, the effects that it has on the body just blows my mind in terms of you people, people age 10 years in one year. Um, yeah. Yep. 
you know, like the broken heart syndrome is a mm-hmm. real thing, a real, real mm-hmm. thing. And then, you know, from what they say in the in the very small bit of research that I did, that yeah. our body actually stays as long, you know, our body actually stays in the, the fight or flight mode for as long as, you know, sometimes it can last for years. And the impact on our body on that is just so huge. But, yeah, it's interesting because you see some people, they use that as something to say, well, I'm not going to take my life for granted anymore or they're mm. the complete opposite. Yes, mm. absolutely. Uh, and just talking on the physical side, I think, yeah, people are often surprised how physic- the, the physical impact of, of grief, yeah. you mm. know, it can be really significant in terms of, of um, yeah, whole body and, and just inability to sleep, you know, not wanting to eat, just, yeah, it, it really catches some people by surprise how much it can impact you. Yeah. yeah. True, true story on the physical side, when my mum passed, I actually got really bad sciatica and I went to the uh, uh, physiotherapist, uh, uh, chiropractor, and he actually asked me, he goes, what's happened in your life? I go, nothing. I mean, and I thought he was meaning accident, I fell over or whatever. He goes, no, mm-hmm. something major has happened in your life. I said, oh, no, nothing. He goes, and again, he pushed. I said, oh, my mum passed away. He goes, that's why you've got this. He goes, mm-hmm. that's a symptom of uh, huge amounts of grief and yep. your body's reacting to that and so forth. And I was, I was absolutely blown away. And it was within days of it happening that it came about. So mm, it, body time. reacts in, in mysterious ways. I thought, you're about, I thought you were about to blame that for your weight, mate. And I was going to call. Sorry, Slim. <laughs> let me keep talking. Um, <laughs> so the other thing, Lou, that you said is about the people who don't let grief go. Mm-hmm. Do, do, do they hold that because they believe that's the last feeling or that they've had for that person? Is that the last memory or feeling? They think grief is what they need to hold to remember the person they've lost? Yeah, yeah you kind of, you're, you're right on, on it with that. Um, and that, I mean, the reality is when you never move, you, your grief never goes. Once once you've, you've had a loss or grief, it will always sit with you. And uh, one of our counsellors said to me once, what he, he tries to say to people who... Um, just can't move forward that their grief is you know all consuming and they can't move forward is to sort of metaphorically pick it up and maybe put it under your arm and, and hold it somewhere safe so you've still got your grief with you but it's not in your way of moving forward with your life and to, to think about it in that way is, is certainly a way but yeah you're right in that some people think well if I stop feeling sad uh then I've kind of forgotten that person and and they know we're no longer important in my yeah. life but um yeah. so yeah Lucy Hone talks about continuing bonds which essentially is is a, a more positive way of hanging on to that person that you still, uh, you know, she still uses her daughter's Barbie towel that she used to dry her hair with after swimming. And, you know, she still bakes her favorite cookies on her birthday. So it's it's allowing that person to still be present in your life in a positive way and therefore not 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 having grief as the tangible thing that you think you need to, to still have. Uh, it's giving yourself permission to be happy again, to say yeah. that I can carry on living. And But it didn't mean that that person wasn't important or still isn't important in my life. It's just that grief doesn't have, have to define that. I think I think just on that alone, I, thinking back, I struggled particularly within the first three months of lo- losing Nan, which was two years ago this month. Yeah, I found that I'd catch myself laughing at something and then I'd think, how dare I laugh about that? Like I've just lost my nan. And that was something that I really struggled with. Like I, cause I'm usually laughing all the time and joking around. And every time I did that, I would catch myself feeling so bad because I was like, how dare I, mm. you know, but it's, 
I see it with some other people that they they are just never the same again and I think none of us are the same again it's like a it's like a physical scar that changes your body you know it's going to be the same but I find some people just can't move beyond that point it's whether it's a long stint of the depression side stage or whatever it is I don't know but it's such a it's so sad to see absolutely yeah yeah you're right and and again everyone will be very individual with with how they do move forward I know uh, Nora McCurney she's another she's an American author and podcaster she's great she um she's got a a couple of great podcasts out if you look them up but she talks about the grief is like you've been touched by something chronic and it's not fatal but sometimes it feels like it could be Mm -hmm. um but um but then she talks about that moving forward you you don't move on but you move forward so um That's yeah. a nice way. That's a nice way to look at it, I think, mm. because it's it's hard to again like trying to deal with the not like you're allowed to laugh again, you're allowed to be happy again. And you sort of what brought me around was thinking, what would my name want? What would my name yeah. want me? And that once I sort of took grasp of that idea and that thought, I was able to move on from it. But yeah. that's the hard thing I think is you know um yeah just you see people stuck i see a lot of yes. people get stuck, stuck there you yep. know well, yeah. whenever we lose someone the person we lose will always want us to be happy right and we all yeah. know that there's no question we all know that unless they're miserable misers or whatever it is everyone that we lose they're going to want us to be happy but at that point of time in grief it's going to be very very hard you know to pull up your socks and put a smiley face on right there's no yep. question about what I wanted to ask, and it's probably to all of you, because I don't know, because we initially we, we spoke about having this podcast titled Grief and Mourning. Do we is there a difference or is it a different stage? Or is it is one internal, one external? Is, mm-hmm. What what's your thoughts on grief? Um, the difference between grief and mourning? Well, I think mourning is the external. I think mourning is the external expression of grief and we talk about collective mourning is obviously the funeral or whatever ceremony you might do around um, the person who's died um yeah that that's my definition of it is that it's it's the external expression of grief is mourning Mm. i like that that's a very Mm. good that's a very good definition katrina is the funeral is the collective um mourning of the person that's a that's amazing yeah and do you find Oh, I, I, I totally agree. I think, you know, um, exactly that. Like, I understand that the grief, the grief is something that is an internal thing, our feelings, our emotions, our thoughts, and our processing. And then mourning is the outward display that we show to the world and the public display yeah. of what we're going through. And I think that's the difference between the two. Um, do you find that regardless of the time frame that's gone since since someone's passed do you think like uh like holiday seasons and we've got one coming up do you think that mm-hmm. like amplifies grief a lot like forever like because oh, that's absolutely. something cool. it, it, it's it's always going to be a trigger I mean and, and it doesn't always have to be a trigger that makes you cry it'll just it's sometimes you get to a point that it's just a trigger that makes you think of that person um yeah you know I had a really close uncle who died about six years ago and he was a he was an avid musician and he used to play jazz piano and my 16 year old now is a really great jazz pianist and when he plays I sometimes think oh it would have been yeah I, would, I wish Uncle Martin had been here to see this you know and it, yeah. it it makes me yes a little sad but it doesn't make me cry as it would have you know only a few months after 
after he died. So, yeah, yeah. Is there, so again, speaking from an outsider's point of view, we've done a lot of work here previously on the podcast in relation to the Stoics, right? And their philosophy on death is that the longer you prolong dealing with the feelings, the longer you're going to suffer the grief or the intense pain. So their thing is, you know, lock yourself in a room for as soon as you can, for as long as you can to deal with all the, uh, you know, emotions that you might not have dealt with and the pain that you might not have dealt with and the issues that you might have had with the person who died and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. To not get over it quicker, but to be able to move into a more positive direction quicker. Like, We've done a lot of talk about it's everyone, it's their own pace and it's a journey and walk beside and walk along. But is there any clinical evidence or or any advice that you do give people where, hey, don't pretend like nothing's happened is is one extreme, but Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. instead of being busy, take a week off, sit in a room, cry your heart out, deal with it, and then life will return for you faster. Is Is that a real thing or is that... I mean, it, it is in the sense it's very uh, it's very similar to the Maori tangi over here in in New Zealand, where they you know the the customers that the the deceased is brought back to the the home um, marae, and you know the family do gather for for three days and do talk and cry and 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 tell the, the deceased you know exactly what they thought of of them, and there's this real conversation around it. Uh, so absolutely, it does help that journey. It doesn't mean necessarily at the end of those three days you're you're ready to go uh, back to life and 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 um, you know it's almost like it's never happened. Uh, but certainly with any uh, any friends and family, to, to it's very cathartic and very therapeutic to talk um, about the person. Even after my uncle died, we I was with him when he died in hospice, and and um, at the close family were there, and we spent three hours with his body just and just talking about memories and life, and I just look back on that now and and treasure that and and just think how neat it was that we got to to be with him in that space yeah you find the western culture well actually let me reverse that question you mentioned the the new zealand the maori tangi yeah yeah the maori tangi and the it seems like Tribal civilizations and even Eastern civilizations do death so much better than Western civilization. If I could, I know mm. that's a horrible term, but oh no, no, you're right. I mean, whole New society is... is based around get up, move on, toughen up, don't talk about it, yeah. go to hell, and yeah. then we just suck at it. The century, which is why you know some of the effects can last forever and ever and ever. Obviously, the person you've lost never leaves. We get that, but yeah. the the, uh, in, the indigenous cultures seem to do it so much better than we do. I don't, I don't know. They do absolutely. I mean, we're we're terrible at uh, New Zealanders and Australians uh, are really, you know, I think we're probably among the most grief illiterate um, in the world sometimes, and that we are just very much. Uh, let's not talk about it. Um, and even myself being in this this space, I, you know, a friend recently, uh, she was upset and, and I asked her, you know, what was wrong? And she'd said that her, her mother had died. And even I almost froze in a moment of, I'm not quite sure what to say, you know, uh, and, and, I, and I keep going, I need to message her and say, hey, are you okay? But I, it's, yeah. it's just, it's just, we're all, we're kind of busy and you're right. We just don't, um, yeah. you know, we don't deal with it as well as other cultures do. Yeah, I would agree with you on that. Yeah. So, wouldn't it make sense that maybe the grief center should start doing its work at school? 
Yeah, well, absolutely. I mean, if we can teach our children um, tools and, and uh, the, the ability to support people through loss and grief, because the reality is, uh, I was re we were reflecting the other day that, you know, the, the teenage generation uh, will see their own parents, you know, mourn the loss of their essentially grandparents, you know, and uh, wouldn't it be great if we could equip them with, um, with tools and, and just to know how to be there for, yeah. for someone in grief. Yeah. We shelter, I don't know if you guys were all parents, but I didn't get, I think I went to my first funeral when I was 20. Yep. Mm. You know, yep. My grandparents died when I was very young and it was a, I do we tell the kids, don't we tell the kids kind of thing. And it was two weeks down the track when we finally find out and that sort of thing. And I think that's a cultural thing as well. But um, then you're asking a bunch of adults, it's, it's like anything, it's like, having your first beer when you're 20 or having anything else, you, you're asking someone to learn a skill that they've been hidden from them for their entire developing uh, life. So Yeah, absolutely. And they, you know, and it's quite common to say, you know, and there's an often a question asked, should the children come to the funeral? And, you know, absolutely. If you think it's the right thing. Yeah, of course, maybe don't, don't have them view the body if you think that's going to be traumatic, but to be there for the ceremony and the collective mourning, as we talked about before, and that that farewell uh, is really important. Um, otherwise, you will hear, you know, children saying years later, children who were old enough who could have been there, you know, say, mm. I didn't really get to say my goodbyes. So, mm. yeah, I, I and we're, we're big advocates for, for children being part of that. It's a, it's a family mourning it's a it's a collective mourning so everyone should if they can should be part of it definitely definitely and I think it's something like um the, what they say is the only thing that makes grief worse is to try and hide it or mask it you know and I think even in our experience when we lost Nan like um I even found myself trying to put on a brave face and just get through the day and not show my kids or not show my colleagues that you know, inside I was like crumbling, but on the outside I was like, everything's fine. I'm good. Yeah. It's just, yeah. let's, life's got to go on now. But, you know, I think when I got to the point of I couldn't keep that up anymore, I just let it go. Mm -hmm. I was able to move on. And I think that must be going back to Australia who suck at dealing with death and how we handle it, particularly because men, you know, men don't cry supposedly, you know, it's the biggest lie in the world, but I think it must be hard to, I don't know, is it, is it, is there stats that say it's harder for men than women based no. on societal pressures that we have, like just man up, get on with it, move on. It's life. Like we're all going. Yeah, I mean, I don't know of any specific stats around grief. I mean, we, we know in terms of mental health stats that, that men, you know, find, do struggle because they don't have the same outlets that women do to talk. Mm -hmm. I mean, we, don't know about you, but I talk about everything with my friends and, yeah. and, and men. I think men are getting better, though. And, you know, the, the gentleman on this call would maybe be able to endorse that. But I think men are getting a lot better at talking about stuff. Yeah, I think. Would it go? Anecdotally, Sorry, though, what's it, anecdotally, what's your, your people come to you, right? So anecdotally, what what's the biggest population of people that actively seek help? Yeah. Oh, it's, honestly, there isn't a there isn't a gender difference. We really get both men and women coming. So yeah, I, I, we I, we don't really see any any major difference. And uh, in fact, interestingly, one anecdote I do have is that uh, with the grief companions, often they find the people who want to talk the most are older gentlemen who have lost their you know wife of sixty years and yeah. six weeks after the funeral, and you know they're lonely. 
they're really mm. sad and they don't want to burden their children who've gone back to their lives and their, you know, their own things. And so they're just grateful to have somebody um, there to listen. And so they can, you know, they share stories of their marriage and, you know, our grief companions say it's, it's they're actually lovely calls. Uh, and it's such a privilege to be able to be there for somebody, you know, who yeah. otherwise wouldn't have anyone to talk to about that. So yeah, them someone that's... there to tell them what to do and stop them buying things. <laughs> yeah. 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 Do you think, um, oh, sorry, Chris, did you want to say something? Uh, you're right, you're right, you're right. Do, you, do you think, um, just thinking back, we did a mental health workshop last week, actually, and it was about, mm. you know, mental health, anxiety, suicide, and all the rest of it. And one mm. of the actual, one of the best things that we can do if we suspect somebody is struggling is mm. to not dance around the subject and not sort of beat around the bush. The, the, mm -hmm. the best thing you can do is for somebody is actually just say, are you okay? Do you need help? Yep. You know what I mean? Is that the same? Would you say that's something that's helpful with grief? Like when you see somebody struggling, because I think, well, what they said in that moment for somebody that's struggling mental health or contemplating suicide, for example, the mm. best thing you can do is hit it between the eyes because that is so relieving for that person who actually then goes, okay, I have somebody that I can, that wants to listen. Do you think yep. it's the same with grief? Do you think that's helpful for people like to you know, you sense someone's going through that. Do you think it's helpful just to just to say, "Hey, look," you know, mm -hmm. it, yeah, can I, absolutely. What can I do like it, it? You know, because I think that's the thing. It goes back to our society, I suppose. But we all we know what's going on with other people, but we all shy away from it because we're like, we don't yeah. want to. We don't want to bring it up. We don't want to. We don't want to make it worse. Yeah. Yeah. That's helpful. Yes, absolutely. I mean, it's that safe space, as I talked about before. It's that safe space for somebody to be able to talk. And have mm -hmm. someone listen to their story to to their grief um mm -hmm. and, you know and again that permission to perhaps talk about the person who's died um with they call yep. it their person um and yeah absolutely um, it, it's well worth it on any i mean grief isn't a mental illness um but it's um it's about well-being and it's it is about mental it, health so absolutely. yeah it fits in the same space yeah it, it, it falls into that thing that we don't want to talk about though we don't want to you know we don't want to raise it because it's like we don't know what's going to come from it you know so I think that's where it falls but I think going back to what the lady said um who lost her daughter she didn't mm -hmm. have the to ask for help which I totally can relate to and I think maybe something that I'll take away from this is yeah, you don't need to ask. You just need to do. You just need to get doing. Because no, I, I, I don't know, Lou. You may need to ask because some people, they want to do that journey alone because it is for yeah. them a privilege of that last journey with the defect. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. you need to respect that. And I think that's what Katrina said earlier. We need to ask first. And, yeah. and, and I think that everyone's different. That's the same answer to uh, Cam earlier. If you have been brought up a stoic way, telling someone to sit in a room and, and cry, it may work. But if you're not, yeah. um, you've been brought up to be highly sensitive and always but getting them in the room, it, it, it's wrong. That would be like asking a Formula One now to do four-wheel driving for three minutes <laughs> and it's going to get in, into the, the action. It doesn't work. You, you need, uh, if you're going to really give someone support, you have to first understand how is that person, how does that person work? Yes. Because yeah. Yeah. Um, me with my grief, I, I rejoice in doing it alone because it is almost a privilege for me now to say goodbye in my own way alone, one-on-one. -on -one. Yep. yep. And so I have many friends asking me and I feel like, no, you're not going to steal that last journey with that person from me. 
It is. And, and, and so don't jump in and do it because you may find that that person will just tell you to piss off. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. And that comes back to, to the, those words, safe space, you know, for you, uh, Thomas, that's your safe space is you in there on your grief journey. You know, your friends are there if you, you need them because they've told you, uh, but you, you don't want them in, in that space, but for others, you know, they do want to walk alongside somebody in that space. So yeah, it's again, it's that individual nature. Yeah. Let me ask you something a bit tougher. You don't have to answer that one. All right. So okay. does it exist? Does it not exist? The soul. Oh, that's, I mean, that's, that's a real personal thing, but it does, it does come up, you know, as a team and the, you know, we talk about death and grief and, and we actually had a webinar recently about spirituality and, and, and death. Uh, and honestly, I mean, everybody has their own beliefs. It really comes down to that. Um, I kind of think we do, but that's just a real personal thing for me. Um, but it's a really, it's a really interesting conversation starter at a dinner party. If you, if you because, uh, the reason I'm asking that, I, I, I have friends who have lost a loved one and mm -hmm. two years down the road, they still in the same pain, same place, same anger, same everything as a, if it was the first day. But I'm just thinking, and they believe that, the, the spirit of, of, of the child is still around. I'm thinking, hold on, if the spirit of your child is around, how can you be sad? If, if the soul is still around, shouldn't you then enjoy that soul and the spirit and every single day that you wake up, shouldn't you be in communion with the, 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 that person, you know? Or that, that, that soul. Isn't that you judging the other door? Uh, no, I'm asking, if you believe in that existence, then shouldn't that... Should that mean that that person is still around you? That when you're having breakfast, actually that person's there? Well, I think it depends on what you mean by, you know, believing the soul is still there because, you know, a lot of people still talk to their um, dead loved one, you know, and, and they, you know, someone said uh, recently said, I still go out to coffee with them. And it's not that they sit there and order a coffee for the other person and pretend that they're there, but yeah. they just kind of do things and they feel a presence or they like to believe that, you know, for them that that person is still there in spirit, I suppose you could say, and hence the soul aspect, uh, mm. versus tangibly believing that the spirit is there. I, again, it's it's a really personal thing. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but because you, you've seen way more than me, and with the Grief Center, you guys probably have got a, a, a the thesaurus of, of all of these things. I thought, might as well risk that question. Yeah, it's <laughs> a good question. <laughs> so, mm. so what would you say now to people who are stuck uh, in a prolonged grief how do they move on move forward not move, move on move forward, forward. so you said move uh, forward yeah well one i mean i guess as, as i said before just that sometimes just think thinking about your grief that it doesn't have to be a barrier to you in your life it's okay to still acknowledge that that grief you know is it, it will always be with you that person will always be with you that person is you know if you were if it was your uh a father if it was your daughter um you know they still were your father they still were your daughter it's okay to, to acknowledge that to take your grief put it somewhere hold it with you and move forward don't let it get in your way um but i think if you're really really struggling then talking to a professional um who can help you perhaps understand why you can't move forward um because there, there may be underlying triggers or underlying things that are, are stopping you from moving yeah. forward yeah. Because, because Chris and I, we spoke about it um, not, not so long ago. It, it's one thing to lose a father or mother, but if you lose a, a child, oh, it's, yeah, it's how just... do you tell that person? I mean, and that, that's the story yeah. of that person. How do you tell that person really 
to move on or, or move forward. Mm. You, you can't tell them to they you know they eventually will that's the reality you know that the, the, your life grows around the, the grief and and you learn to move forward with it um i, I, I did a presentation to some funeral directors uh, last month and we were talking about this concept of that you know the person will always still be part of your life and she said she had a, a woman who'd lost her only child and she asked the question you know am i am i still a mother and no. I mean, which is, which, yeah, no, it's a heartbreaking question. But the reality is, yes, you are still a mother. You know, your daughter is no longer physically around, but you are still a mother. Um, yeah. I, I mean, it, that sort of loss is, is hugely traumatic and hugely hard. And, and generally, I would have thought would require some professional support to get through. Um, yeah. And unfortunately, the reality is, you you know, your life will never be the same. It's, it's changed. It doesn't mean it has to be awful. It doesn't mean you have to sit in the grief forever, but you know you will have always lost lost a child. Yeah, I can't even think about that. That's just too much to even think about. Yeah, you know, it's been. I mean, it's a great discussion. Um, it really, uh, you've been opening a, a lot of eyes here. But I just wish that your centre could really do a lot of things with schools. Um, I mean, you yeah. know, I lost my I lost my father a few weeks ago. Yes, and, and I'm sorry. And almost none of my children spoke about it. Really? Yes, and, and so, yeah, they, they were sorry for, for you know, they, they, they said a few things and, and, and they had their own text at the, at the funeral that was sent overseas. Mm. But as I flew back in uh, beside my daughter, who's asked me a few times, how are you going? Are you okay? Really, the other children, it's almost like being a silent thing. It's almost like maybe they understood that leave, leave him alone. But I, I don't know, is it because it's um, they know me or is it because really they haven't been taught at school? Just like probably 30, 40, 30 or 40 years ago, uh, talking about sex with your parents, it was like, what, what are you talking about? You, you, you'll find out on the wedding night, you know? And, <laughs> and, and all, no, but almost now it's almost like you'll find out about grief when you lose yeah. the parent. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and it's true. It, it's it's that you know we we're not really prepped for it. The first preparation comes when we actually lose someone we love, you know, close to us. So yeah, you're absolutely right. There is more that can be done in education. I think it's it's breaking down that barrier that people don't want to talk about death or grief. I mean, we're really comfortable talking about it at the centre because it, it, you know we see it every day, and and you'll go out and sometimes you'll forget that that not everybody's really comfortable talking about death. Um, because we're not. And so I think, uh, yeah, you're getting into to education and, and um, at least starting the conversation and talking around it, I think is really, really important. Mm. Mm. Like skipping this entire subject, unless you guys have got other questions uh, around the subject. What about what you're doing and skipping into a parallel world? With, what about someone who's been working up until 2020 for 30 years of job and then lost their job because of COVID. Yep. Is it the same phenomenon of grief that they go through and how different is that? And, and, and how, where, did, where can they get help from Grief Centre? Because it feels to me like you, you're in a very niche market. No, and that's the thing. It, it, you know, people naturally think of grief as being for death related. That's a, it's a bereavement, but actually, you know, a lot of loss that we work with um, is not death related. Sure, the, the majority would be death related, but absolutely, it's people um, uh, being made redundant. Um, pet loss is actually a huge thing right now. There are counsellors who literally just do pet loss counselling. Pet loss. Pet loss. Pet loss. Yeah. Pet loss. Yeah, because you know. 
pets are a huge part of the family and for a lot of people or a number of people these days it's they're, they're like their children um the wee fur babies and so when losing a pet is hugely traumatic so yeah. um we, we counsel in that space um actually in the aged uh um, older person's aged care um area is is massive because you're dealing with particularly dementia um, is, a, is a new loss that uh, not only for the person who is, is, um, has dementia, and often we, we can counsel people who are in the early stages to, to learn to, to um, deal with what they're going to go through. And then secondly, obviously, the partner or family who are losing the loved one to dementia. They're not dying. It's, an, it's an, um, a non-death loss, um, mm -hmm. but essentially they're losing that person. So um, and even in, in that space, uh, you know, an older person um, even moving out of their home, having to go to a retirement village, that's a, it's a loss and a, and a grief in itself. Uh, losing faculty. So my mother has just gone blind, um, you know, so she's grieves the loss of, it, loss of her sight. Um, yeah, so there's, there's a lot of loss, uh, which is non-death related. And, and certainly we support people through all of that because it's, it's a grief. It's a loss and it's a grief. Is it, is it a real, I mean, I suppose just listening to what you said, then it is, but like grieving somebody who's still alive, mm. you know, they may have a drug dependent child, a drug dependent parent, mm -hmm. um, and you're watching them just fade away. And, and you, it's like, it's like what they say about dementia. It's the longest goodbye. I suppose yes. in that same respect, somebody going through that, it's the same thing, you know, and it, yeah. and it is, do they still consider that like grief? I suppose it is. Is it you, you're watching them fade away? You're watching them just waste. Well, Chris, Chris lost his dad. No, yeah. You know, I'll speak from experience in this one. So, um, when my mother passed, it was it, it, well, it wasn't quick, but it was a slow demise. But she had all faculties, so she could converse, and it was so. When my father got dementia very shortly after. It was it was two goodbyes, and it was a a change in our relationship from when he was like all there to the fun and times we had when he had dementia because it was a little bit fun and it was a little bit strange. But and then when he finally passed, the grief was different to when my mum passed because we'd already sort of grieved the loss of my father as we knew him. Yeah, and that change from when he got dementia to when he was passed was only, I think, about two years, maybe three. So it, it was a different grief, and it was only recently that I realised it that I actually mm. grieved it twice. It's so yeah, it, I, I, it's a similar thing, Chris. Like what I'm experiencing with my pop now. Like it's been two years since Nan died, and he's gone completely downhill since Nan died. He barely recognizes anybody anymore. He doesn't know really what's going on, but he still walks around to this day. He even had the hospital ring up the other day back home and ask for Margaret, which was my nan. Yet he doesn't know who anyone else is, but he still remembers my nan. And it's like, I just want to go Margaret. And it's like he knows to he knows enough to know that, but he doesn't know his own name. You know, Lou, I'm gonna give you a bit of advice on that. And it's never good to, it's never okay to lie, except in that circumstance. You yeah. say, and you say she's not with us at the moment, she's busy or whatever it is. I went through the same thing with my dad, um, my mum, he, his brother. So, hmm. yeah. 
So Thomas's point though, so you asked about job loss and, and stuff, it's obviously on the surface a lot less sentimental and a lot less uh, uh, close to home, but are the are the physiological responses the same? Is the grief response the same? Just like so fight or flight is a response, right? And that'll get triggered. Because for as complex as us human beings are, in a lot of ways we're rather simple, right? We're either fight or flight in a lot of situations. So yeah. is the, you know, we talk about COVID when the government killed those poor restaurateurs and and uh, all those people. Is that sort of grief response physiologically the same as losing a loved one? Are the, the effects the same? Well, you know, we know... Jesus, we know the effects of people losing their business in, in regards to um, suicide and the, and the rest of that type of thing. So mm. do you see a similar, basically, are the physiological responses the same? Oh, look, I don't want to, you know, not, not being a counsellor, I don't necessarily want to, to say yay or nay to that. I mean, I can imagine that they would be. Uh, just talking about other non non-death losses um i did find some interesting research from mckinsey done in 2021 and it stemmed from COVID. but it talked about the uh, we often talk about the emotional and physical well-being impacts of grief uh, but it actually talked about the economic impact of grief and they did a, a study in the us and and this is unresolved grief this is people that you know are, are struggling with grief and they're in the workplace and they estimated that it cost the us economy about 75 billion dollars a year of, of um, unresolved grief. And that is not, that wasn't just non-deaf grief, that was, you know, grief related to um, even just not getting promotions or, you know, being demoted or all those sorts of things. So um, yeah, but it was a really interesting statistic. Hey, uh, but yeah, it, yeah, but absolutely physically, sure. I mean, it, because those sort of situations are stressful as well. And, and whilst not, uh, death um, loss is stressful too, um, losing your job is incredibly stressful. So you're going to have a, you're going to see a, a physical response to that. A lot of the advice runs parallel, right? So you lose someone, ask for help or don't ask for help, and you're going to deal with it your same way. On the other side, it's be there for someone, but don't be too intrusive, but make sure you're there for someone like at all. Mm. You know, we, the conversation we're having keeps going back to loss of, life right but yeah yeah we, we also have are you okay day which is all about there's nothing to do with loss of life it's about preventing loss of life right yeah. so yeah um, so it's, it's an anecdotally it appears that the grief is grief, grief. Mm. Okay. yeah an um, interesting stat that came out of the uh workshop that we did last week was that the leading cause of death of men between 30 and 45 is suicide now. That's the leading cause of death. And they said one of the biggest triggers of that was the loss, not necessarily of somebody that's alive of losing their children in a custody battle or something like that. So they said it's it's in the top, it's the top of the top three um, reasons for men's suicide. And that is the leading cause of death in men in Australia today between 30 and 45 is suicide. And the number wow. one number one trigger is loss not of somebody alive but loss of the the not having their children anymore you know so it does it affect us the same as losing somebody alive or perhaps even sometimes worse knowing that they are alive mm -hmm. and can't get to them you know that's i don't know helplessness helplessness yes 
Yeah, exactly, Chris. Exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. right. so the Latin meaning for grief is heaviness, right? Is to carry something. Is is heaviness. So the loss of anything, whether it's a you know a partner, a a, a child for a, a divorce case, and I don't know a pet. Maybe I don't even know a loss of a grand final. Can we know that? But um, no, anything that's sort of heavy, that it's it's a weight you've got to carry, right? Yeah. Yep. It is indeed. And I, I on that the um, I asked the funeral directors at this training I was doing. I, I got them to do a little bit of a metaphor, simile kind of exercise as to what grief was. And one of them said, uh, "I said grief is your older brother sitting on your chest and refusing to get off." And, mm. and I think, you know, I thought I really liked that yeah. um, metaphor because it, you know, it's, it's the weight, right? It's there, yeah. it's pressing down, it's crushing you. Yeah. Yeah. One of the, one of the things that I read was grief can also be our greatest teacher. It teaches perspective. It teaches patience. It teaches love. Wisdom. Wisdom. It teaches so much. And, and they say that, um, yeah, you wouldn't, you wouldn't wish your sadness on your worst enemy but you would wish your perspective on the entire world mm. of what it does to you, you know. This is so nice. Do you know what, Katrina? Thank you so much for joining us for this hour. Oh, so, you're so welcome. Thank you for having me. And, and I think that um, you've done a lot for a lot of people and a lot of people who are going to listen to this in the car too. So what would be your number one advice now to people who are grieving from your experience and grief center and, and, and maybe for people who want to go on and have a look, it's griefcenter.com.au. That's correct. Yep. Uh, and yep. so what would be your biggest advice? Well, I think um, just to say there is no right or wrong way to grieve. There is no process. There are no stages you have to follow. Um, grief is really individual and acknowledging that and being kind to yourself, and I think looking after yourself as well. Um, you know, the simple things, making sure you're eating and sleeping as well as you can, um, getting out for some exercise, you know, those those self-care tips are really important in grief. And, you know, and, and your grief is valid. Your journey is is yours and, and you will also, you will move forward. Mm. Okay. And on the funny note, is there a hotline for South Africans when they're going to lose the World Cup on Saturday? <laughs> Absolutely. It's a good idea. We should, we should set one up. <laughs> it's going to be a lot of grief there. <laughs> I'm, assuming got, you lost. Yeah, I'm assuming you've got over your grief already. <laughs> Have you moved forward? We're a rugby league nation, mate. We don't oh, care. No. Oh, yeah, that's what you always say when you, you're not. You're <laughs> See you on Saturday. Well, then we play the Kiwis on Saturday in the real game. Katrina, thank you so much. Team, great thank session. Thank you. You made this, Katrina, you made this podcast very normal this time. Thank you so much. For this. <laughs> Good. Thanks, Katrina. Thank you so much. Bye, bye, bye. Bye, bye everybody.